Hey everyone, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend. I consider him a friend. He is, uh, he founded the most famous health website, Mercola.com. Well, famous and... is subjective. This is most visited <laughs> natural health site in the last I would decades. say, I would say it's the most it's the most visited natural health site and also the most famous. Everybody knows about it. Okay. Uh, and for natural health, yeah. he's, uh, I, what I like about Mercola is that he's very open-minded. If you give him evidence, he'll change his opinion. He's also a good guy. You know, he's, he's, there's some health people who are not the best people, but he's actually a good guy. And, uh, you know, he doesn't really need any big introduction. He has a book out, author. He's the author of The Truth About COVID. And I'm here to pick his brain about a bunch of different topics. But uh, we can start with, you know, what what got you into healthcare? One thing I'm, you know, you're, you're such a, a big figure in healthcare. What got you into it? Well, I've been passionate about health since I was a very small child. I started exercising in 1968 and uh, was going to be an astronaut initially, then I can change that to uh, medicine when I realized I wanted to take it the next step and learn as much as I can about health. And I was the oddball out in med school. <laughs> Everyone there was really focusing to treat disease. And my whole passion was on how to get people healthy. So I was, I was, I was a rebel back then. <laughs> Did you, a, a lot of, a lot of people got into healthcare because they had to overcome some kind of health nope. problem. Is that, no health problem. you didn't, None. you didn't have Zero. that story. Okay. Nope. That's interesting. And, and so in your life, what are you trying to optimize and improve? Are you trying to live longer? Like what's your key focuses? Yeah, the highest quality function that my body's capable of, you know, optimizing that to the highest degree, kind of like an athlete in so many ways. And I, and I view okay. exercise in my, in my personal life, one of the most important strategies to stay healthy. Of course, there's so many other things we can go into. And one of the most important ones, it wasn't on your list that you mentioned, but it reminded me that the last time we met was before the pandemic. It was in Arizona at a Mindshare event. And I remember very clearly the UI, uh, Ben Greenfield, and a few other people decided at one of the lunches to sit down and take our shirts off because we needed to get sun. And maybe we could start, start there because, you know, since, since we we've last met, you know, I've, I've learned a lot more about exposure to the sun. And even back then, three years ago, we all took our shirts off. That was the best thing you can do because in my mind, exposing your skin to significant sunshine, uh, at cl as close to solar noon for maybe a half hour to an hour a day is one of the most important health strategies you can do. And guess what? It costs nothing, it costs nothing. And hardly anyone does it. My guess is it's less than 1% of the people. I, I doubt if even 5% of the people get outside. So they do all these advanced biohacks and they just fail to ignore the most fundamental basics. And why is that so important? Obviously for vitamin D. You know, when I wrote a big paper and actually the first paper I wrote this century, I wrote a lot last century, but this one, you know, I got busy with the website and really wasn't very um, enamored <laughs> with the uh, process of getting papers accepted for publication. But I did wrote one on vitamin D and uh, that was was fortunate because you know, the media tried to discredit me for promoting vitamin D. Imagine that because it was counter to the narrative of taking the jab and social mandate or vex, uh, uh, social distancing and wearing the mask. So anyway, 
the important thing about vitamin D is that you shouldn't swallow it. You should not swallow it. Ideally, you should get it from the sun. But that's not the only thing you get from sun exposure. And I don't know if you're aware of this. You, you maybe you're a pretty smart guy, but very, very few physicians understand this because this was only figured out a few years ago. That where does 95% of the melatonin in your body, where is it produced? The pineal gland? Ah, you didn't know it. That's what most people say. No, that's wrong. Only 5% is produced in the pineal. Interesting. Okay. Where's 95% is subcellular mitochondria, subcellular melatonin in your mitochondria when it is exposed to near infrared light. This may be every bit as important as getting uh, sun exposure as getting vitamin D, is the melatonin. Why? Because it's a profoundly effective antioxidant. It's produced in the mitochondria precisely where the electron transparentate is. And why is that important? Because that's 90% of your energy is produced there. And in the process of produ producing energy, the exhaust is reactive oxygen species. So you need something to neutralize that. And what better design could have ever been created than produce the, the antidote for the excessive oxidative stress right where it's needed? But only if you're getting exposed to the sun. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That is just That's beyond, nuts. That's, that is just beyond I mean, crazy. So we were ahead of the curve back there at Mindshare in Arizona. We were way ahead of the curve. But it doesn't stop there. Wait, there's more. <laughs> All right. So you, you've got nitric oxide. You've got a lot of people drink structured water, as you know. But the structured water... It doesn't matter if you drink it. It matters as your body wakes it and guess, makes it. And guess what your, how your body makes structured water? It's when near-infrared radiation gets exposed to your skin. That structures the water. And that's important to actually move your red blood cells through the capillaries. It's, it's a, it so, actually charges up the batteries, so to speak, in, in your body. I'm a huge fan of sun. I, you know, we're both big fans of sun. I only yeah, yeah, live yeah. in sunny places and people are like, wow, how did you get so tanned? I just went outside, you know, and I don't wear sunscreen. <laughs> it's quite simple. You go outside, you don't wear sunscreen, you're going to get tanned and you do it in a way that you don't get burnt, right? Because if you, if you we'll got talk burnt, about then... why you get burnt, most people don't know why they get burnt. We'll Let me hear why, why do you get burnt? We'll talk about it next. Okay. All next right. on we'll your list. It's next on your list. <laughs> All right. So in we're any case, get we're, we're both suspense for people. Some suspense. All right. <laughs> I, keep, I don't want them dropping off and like leaving, you know? <laughs> I, like, I like how you think. So sun is massively important. And I, I didn't know that bit about the melatonin, uh, that, that it's actually uh, not 95% is not from the pineal gland. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a really cool bit it's of information. It's called subcellular. But, Below the cell level, yeah. Incredible. So the thing is, though, when we look at these vitamin D studies, right, and we see a vitamin D study that could cure everything, right? It's like mm -hmm. you got cancer, vitamin D, right? <laughs> now, there's something called these Mendelian randomization studies that show when you have a higher level naturally, based on your genetics, of vitamin D, not, not studies that self-decode is, is conducting. This is... There's, there, it's like a huge field. You just type in Mendelian randomization in any substance and you'll find studies on it, right? And, and they are doing this to tease out cause. When they do clinical trials and these Mendelian randomization to see if you have a predisposition, they don't find that vitamin D is actually very effective for quite a lot of things, right? Now, again, I'm a huge fan of sun. And if it, one of the things that it is effective for actually causally is respiratory infections and things like mm -hmm. that. But 
we see and that even the, COVID. You know, since I published <laughs> that paper in 2020, there's been a number of randomized controlled trials which prove causality of vitamin D to COVID. So the th I want to talk to you about that because when I look up the research, I see some of the studies saying that there is an effect and some of the studies saying that there is an effect. And how do you, what do you right, make well, of me, the studies that show that it's not the effective? Main, the main key to interpreting most of those studies, because they're okay. seriously flawed. I would say over 99% of them are fundamentally flawed. Why? Because they're giving a specific dose of vitamin D. They may give it. A thousand, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand once a week. Who knows? But the failure is that they don't check the pre and post serum levels of vitamin D because it's about the serum concentration. It's not about the dose. Mm -hmm. And even that's ex that's capitulating, surrendering to the fact that I don't believe people should be swallowing vitamin D. I believe there's a completely different result and consequence of optimizing vitamin D levels based on how you achieve that versus natural versus sun exposure versus swallowing a supplement, which I have not swallowed in 15 years. Guess what my most recent vitamin D level was? I haven't taken it in 15 years. No what oral was? vitamin D. Let me know. Take a guess. What? You know, the, you, you're a big lab 50 nanograms per milliliter? Very close. It was 92. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. About, I guess, 50 because I feel like that's around the amount that if you get you know, fair bit of sun, it gets yeah, to yeah. 50 nanograms, but 92 naturally. Holy crap. Yeah, naturally. naturally totally I can naturally. tell you don't wear any uh, sunscreen. <laughs> no, no. I haven't worn that in a long time. I'm not opposed to it in certain circumstances. I think it's helpful, especially if it's a non-toxic sunscreen. As, and know, if somebody's going to get burnt, right? Well, yeah, we'll tell you how to prevent burning. It'll almost I just wear a cap. I wear well, a cap and a shirt. That's it. I don't wear a shirt. That's one of the reasons my, my levels are higher. Uh, but the cap is good because it protect, pre prevents photo aging on the thin uh, skin you have in your face. So it would be mm -hmm. wise to not have excessive sun exposure on your face for sure. If you're, if you're concerned about cosmetics, as almost everyone is. All right. Well, let's talk about, a little bit about how does it feel to be the center of a Maelstrom? Basically, the New York Times just did a hit piece on you. And yeah, they, it was a video documentary, one hour. They took literally a year, Joe, and a whole team they spent. <laughs> maybe, about, maybe a quarter million dollars, half a million. I have no idea. But they contacted hundreds of my ex-employees. They went back to medical school from 40 years ago. They tried oh, every which way from left to right to fig, dig, dig up some dirt for me, and they couldn't find one thing. They couldn't find one thing. How many oh, other Lord. people would stand for this type of scrutiny? You know, but no, they found nothing. And it was uh, it was a pretty amazing piece. It's behind a firewall. It's on Hulu and uh, a channel called FX, I believe, which is a cable channel in the U.S. Uh, so it's not widely distributed, sadly, because it really would have helped us out. I, I, they couldn't I, found they couldn't find anything on you. They couldn't find anything. I, all they said was <laughs> almost everything was complimentary. And they spun it. I mean, they had to actually interview themselves. The producers interviewed themselves <laughs> to say bad things about oh, me. Lord. <laughs> Does it like, impact you at all psychologically? Oh, I'll tell you, I, I am beyond grateful. I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm just, it's the biggest gift I've ever been given and honor <laughs> and award and privilege, you know, that they're able to do this. The book I wrote before COVID, you know what that was? What was that? That was a book called EMF. It was all about the dangers of EMF. And, and I have a specific caution and warning in that book about anyone who's wearing AirPods. 
because they're, they're transmitting Bluetooth radiation right into the skull and they just don't understand all the excess oxidative stress they're causing in their brain, contributing to, to an increased risk of Alzheimer's. Okay. And so, so you, all right, let's talk about EMF a, a little bit. Do you, if, if, if I only I wrote really, a book on it, I only wrote a book on it. That is know, actually right? the best book out there. But it really you wrote is. a book about uh, COVID and I'm sure, and, and, you know, there's a lot of vaccine information in there. Oh yeah. What would you say if I gave you the chance, either you had to get vaccine or you had EMFs for five years, what would you pick? Oh, EMFs for sure. Vaccines is <laughs> No, there's no question. I mean, this is going to kill millions, probably hundreds of millions of people. Hundreds of EMS for your whole life. Vaccine or EMS for your whole life. Yeah, I can. I, I know I wrote the book. OK, I know how to mitigate against EMF stress. And it depends on the type of immunity. EMF is a generic bland, nonspecific. I mean, there's multiple types of EMFs. There's magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies. So I need to know which type and the, the concentration, the exposure levels. So, I mean, I just optimize health. And that's one of the things I'm but not going to expose. I, I sleep in a Faraday cage. Wow. But is there like any kind of, like, let's say a lot of cell phone EMFs for your whole life versus a vaccine. I'm trying to get the scale of what you think. Well, okay. I, let, let me just, if you, you obviously didn't read my book, but I will reverse the question or rephrase the question for you. It is. Just substitute EMF to smoking and okay. ask the same question. So it's, it's very similar to smoking with respect to the, the fact that you're not going to have a, a lot, significant consequences unless you do it for a long time, typically decades. So you're not going to drop dead from brain cancer after wearing those AirPods that your silly AirPods you're using now for a year or two, but do it for decade you're you just you're just asking for trouble there's just no okay. way it's a it's a biological harm to your body you can there's no justification to doing anything healthy to your body it is not it's only how, how would we see i have this question for quite a few health topics and, and we could kind of parse this into vegetable oils emfs vaccines mm -hmm. how do you track if vaccines are harming you. you generally like you could see okay your blood well, pressure goes probably up. The, the single best variable is one that the cdc and almost all the regular global regulatory agencies including the who refuse to monitor and that's ac uh, acv oh icm i'm sorry all cause mortality all cause mortality okay. carefully monitored how many people are dying from it that's the key and and what about emf are there biomarkers for that or we don't we don't know just generally, uh, inflammatory markers like HSCRP would be important. Okay. Uh, so if your HSCRP it is lower. It, yeah, then it's suggested, but it, it, it causes biological damage. You want to know the mechanism because you, you haven't studied it, so I can get you up well, to speed. Well, I want to know how, if I would be able to track it, right? Because now, well, I, I don't know that you can. I think the bio damage is sort of obscure and stealth. And it's okay. at, a, at a really um, micro level, specifically at the tissue target. So it's, it's chronic and it's pervasive. And it's just like chi chi chipping away at your health. The Joe Cohen Show is unsullied by paid sponsors. Similar to Self Decode, I'm creating this podcast to help educate and empower people with their health. I'm reaching out to all types of biohackers, health practitioners, entrepreneurs, and more to give you the most valuable information out there. So if you're enjoying this podcast, 
Please show some support and be sure to leave a review and subscribe to get notified on every new podcast release. Let's talk a little bit about vegetable oils, right? I, I know uh, you're, I'm, I'm, I think they're bad, but reading some of the stuff that you've read, wrote, you know, it, you, you make it, you're obviously of the opinion that they're one of the worst things for you, right? Yeah, it's so, the single most, most deadly element of your diet, in my view. You think uh, vegetable oils or smoking are, is worse? Well, that's not smoking isn't part of your diet, you know. You're right, right. Okay, course. you're saying part of the diet. Okay. Yeah, it probably is every bit as bad as smoking, if not worse, though, considering the the magnitude of the, of its abuse. So it's a really potent. What, what, what is what 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 are what what is like so bad about it that you know? Obviously, it oxidizes. I know a few things, but you're you're more of an expert on vegetable oils than I am. So tell me, give me the case for why it's so bad. Well, it's much worse than sugar. Most people, health people think that sugar is, is evil. And you now excess sugar isn't necessarily good, but how long, if you have a lot of sugar, say a big gulp or, you know, three Coke, cans of Coke, how long is that sugar going to last in your body? The effects of the sugar, what, what, what's your guess? The sugar itself, I mean, it gets, especially if you're metabolically healthy, it gets metabolized yeah. pretty quickly. Well, obviously people eat three, drinking three cans of cone are typically aren't. I don't know. Two hours, but, two hours. Yeah. So essentially okay. you're right. It's on hours. Okay. Right. It's a matter of hours. Now it might be a day or two in some people, but essentially the metabolic consequences of having that sugar is li highly limited. So what are the consequences of how long is the, the, the impact of having an order of French fries or a few donuts going to last? Could be, I mean, I, I know, I, I know where you're going <laughs> because it gets embedded into your cellular lipids. So, so months, membranes typically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, months is, is wrong. Okay. It's that the half-life is two years. The half-life is two years. The half-life wow. is two years. So seven years is going to be in your tissues generating metabolic damage. Seven years. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that is one of the reasons. And then the, 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 so the, there's, there's a lot of these studies that suggest sugar is harmful, right? Well, it's because they're not teasing out the details. They're looking at processed foods. And if you take the typical processed food, not all of them, of course, some are different, but the typical processed food, you've got sugar in there. But what else do you have in the typical processed food? It's always vegetable oil. Seed oils. Usually yeah. twice as much as the sugar. Wow. So sugar has been vilified. And I'm not, I'm not saying high fructose corn syrup is good to have and abuse. Not at all. But you have to take it in per percentage. It is nowhere near as toxic as seed oils. And if you look at these epidemiological studies, You've got levels of sugar going down, especially in China. They have like a tablespoon of sugar a day, a day. And yet the seed oil concentration is going up and diabetes and obesity are exploding despite lowering wow. levels of sugar. It's not sugar. It is seed oils. And how, uh, so if you're a student of history, how many heart, and you lived in the U.S. at one time. Uh, yeah, my whole life. Yeah. So- 
How many heart attacks do you think we had in the United States before 1900? Before 1900, which is not that long ago. 120 years, right? I don't know. Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, probably not that many. That's the that's correct answer. It's, le- <laughs> it's a handful, like less than 10. Less than 10. Okay. Today, it's the number one cause of death. So what the hell happened if it wasn't sugar? Cancer. Cancer, right? There was less than one person in 100 before 1900 that had cancer. About a half, one in 200 people had cancer, were dying. It existed, it wasn't non-existent, but it was small. What's the number today? It's not one in 200, what is it? It's one in three. One in three are dead from cancer. So what caused this? What caused you? You know, how many people, this is another question. This was published last month in July in the Journal of American College of Cardiology. How many people in the United States are metabolically inflexible? How many? What percentage? 90%. Close. Actually, 93%. 14 out of 15 people. That makes sense. We've got 80%, 80% of the people in many states in the U.S. are overweight. 43% are obese, expected to be 50% by the end of the decade. And you think that's from the vegetable oil? There's no question. It's unequivocally okay. indisputable in my mind. And if you look at the data, there's, there's very strong. Even, if, even when you go dive deep into the molecular biology of it, there's very clear reasons why that should be the case. It's, it's little so, excess linoleic acid. And guess what else linoleic acid causes? Not only does it cancer? cause cancer generically, oh. it causes skin cancer and sunburn. When you go out in the sun and you get sunburned, it's because you have too much damn linoleic acid in your skin. That's what's, caused, that's what's getting burnt, the linoleic acid. It's not the saturated fat that's being burned. No way. Wow. It's linoleic acid. So this is the way that you eliminate sunburn is by radically lowering your level of linoleic acid. To Most people are taking 10 times as much as they're designed to have, 10 times. Some are more. Some are more. Some are 15, 20 times. Interesting. I, I just wrote a, a few articles. Uh, you know, I, I obviously think vegetable oils are bad. I was questioning exactly how bad they are. But re- since I wrote those articles, I was because I actually feel pretty good. But and and I thought I was consuming a lot of vegetable oils. And then I realized that I actually wasn't because I went to the restaurant that I buy all this all my food from, and they said no, we don't like all the foods that I typically eat. They say they don't put it in, and then like let's say the broccoli or whatever, they said they put a very very small amount. And I don't touch any processed foods whatsoever, and I don't eat nuts and seeds either. So. There's one way to, to know, though. You can use that app called chronometer.com and enter okay. your food. But you have to, you have to trust. I mean, it, it, the app fall, fails or falls apart when you eat out of the restaurant because you, have no, you don't know what they're using unless you go in the kitchen. Now, they could say that, too, and they may be lying to you. They may be lying. Who knows? Unless you're back in the kitchen. There's also a genetic predisposition. Some people naturally have higher linoleic acid in the blood, just genetically, just like everything else. Same with DHA, same with, 
I got in the blood. In the blood, it doesn't matter. You know, it's in the membrane. So, like when you when you do fatty acids, if it's higher in the blood, it's going to correlate with what's in the membrane. I think. No. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you're eating. Are you fasting? You know, it's you know, I I wouldn't do a blood analysis to figure that out. Usually, it's from like like a red blood cell membrane, or even better would be a tissue analysis. Mm Hmm. Like so what kind of test would somebody do to measure how much linoleic acid is in their membranes? Well, there are a number of companies who offer that. Um, the one that I use is uh, NutriVal from Genova Diagnostics, which okay. I suspect you're familiar with. And yeah, and, and what, what kind of tests do they have, like the omega-6, omega-3 ratio? No, they have the whole thing, and they actually give you the quantitative level of linoleic acid. Their reference ranges are off. Because, you know, they don't understand that the, 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 the linoleic acid level should be under 2%. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I got like one of the lowest levels they recorded because, and it was, it was, it was marked as targeted as abnormal because it was too low, but it was wrong. They just had, the, I'm trying. What's your I'm ratio? Trying. What's the ratio of lino, like in your test uh, between well, omega, uh, linoleic acid and, and omega-3? Well, it's omega-6 generically they use, so 6 to 3, but 80% of 6 is, is linoleic acid. So um, I don't remember the specific ratio. Uh, it depends on which way you, you turn it around. I think it – I just don't recall. I mean, I'm not really – I'm, I'm not a, a big believer in the ratio. Is that that useful? really need the low quantity a little lake acid and your body see that there's this there's a desaturase enzyme i'm sure you're well of delta 6 desaturase which elongates desaturates and elongates uh omega-3 fats that you get from plants or even in animals because you know there's animal foods have omega-3 fats in them too but they're not I mean, they can be the 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 longer change like the EPA and the DHA, but usually they're alpha linoleic acid, uh, which is the more predominant form. But if you're not eating a lot of linoleic acid, then you this this desaturation this, this elongating enzymes are not inhibited, so that you can. The bottom line is you you have this uh, uh, alpha linoleic acid that you can convert to EPA and then subsequently to DHA. But if you have a lot of LA, that enzyme is inhibited. So you just, you're not oh, able wow. to make it. I didn't so know that. You don't have to worry about taking a lot of extra omega-3s. If you're not eating LA, your body will self-correct. So, cause it, you know, that enzyme will start working again. Did, did you, I, I'm assuming you never really, like for the past 30 years, you, you weren't eating a lot of packaged foods. So has your diet changed since you found out? Oh, it's changed out? pretty dramatically. Yeah. I mean, I was just, just as uh, ignorant as you were not too long ago. so what changed let me hear how your diet changed uh since then and and what have you noticed any uh effect personally from it yeah yeah i feel i think you know i'm probably one of the best shapes i've ever been in my life for a lot of reasons i mean i've really taken biohacking to the next level and you know it's a, a lot of advanced details that we have no time to discuss but you know, from health and strength and vitality and energy, I'm just like in the best shape ever. I mean, I'm, I'm deadlifting 400 pounds and leg pressing over 600 pounds. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm, and uh, I, I've got plenty of energy. So, I mean, that's the key. And so I'm tell me some, what ability. you changed about your, your diet since you found out how bad these vegetable oils are. 
Well, I, I switched to more carnivore, so I don't have a lot of plants. That's a big thing I've got on my diet. I'm, I have some, but not many. I have a carrot salad and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, but I just have a lot of plants. So, but the plants, a, which plants, like which plant, just the nuts and seeds are going to have omega six. Nuts and seeds are high. So that was one thing I didn't understand when I was at your level. Like I, I, I mean, I, I, I liked macadamia nuts because they're high in protein and low in carbs, but I was too focused on carbs and I didn't understand that they were also low in linoleic acid, but almost every other seed and nut is high in LA. So you, I don't have any seeds or nuts unless it's uh, I might have an occasional almond or something or, or a walnut, but essentially I don't have any, I just have macadamia nuts. And then, then it's still only like maybe 15 a day. What other, but, but what other, the grains, like regular grains don't have a lot of omega. Oh, yes, they do. That's not true. They have a lot. Oh, a lot. In fact, like, yeah, I mean, one? I just started some oat bran, which is unusual because I'm pretty much, I wrote the book, the no grain diet in 2004, right? That was the New York times bestseller in my first book. Uh, so grains are not good, good for most people. Now I, I've been having some oat bran recently. It's gluten free. But it does have linoleic acid. I only have a half a cup a day, but that's given me two grams, which is a significant, actually bumped my total percentage of LA down up over 2%. I was under like 1.7%, now I'm like 2.1%. So that's your goal. You want to get your total LA by percent of calories content under 2%. And I probably am under 2% because I, the chronometer data I'm using is flawed because uh, I have four chicken eggs a day. And I raise a chicken, so my chickens have seventy-five percent lower linoleic acid than the typical uh, chicken. Okay. You because know, I, I don't feed them any grains. Almost every chicken fed is fed, even if it's organic, they're fed organic grains, and, and the LA is through the roof. That is the number one source of linoleic acid in an American's diet is chicken. Number one. Interesting. I mean, and so I basically eat a carnivore type diet, it's just vegetables and meat, chicken stuff mm -hmm. like that. So you're saying that I probably have quite a low level probably yeah i would think so yeah. but you have to be really careful i know you were, we talked earlier you said you're a big fan of olive oil and i would disagree with that fondness because uh almost all 80 percent of olive oil is adulterated it has to do with organized crime and you know it's it's a big industry and even if you found one of the pure ones or you did it yourself which is really hard i mean you people the average person has no idea how hard it is to make good olive oil. You have to pick the olives like within a day of their ripeness. I mean, so it's a very limited window of picking. And then it gets worse. After you pick them, you have to press the oil within a few hours. So it's a really challenging thing to do the right way. And obviously with, with coordinating all that and the effort and the labor intensiveness of that, they're going to have to charge you a bunch. So it's like $50 a bottle to get a good olive oil. So then even if you have the best olive oil and it's not adulterated, it's going to oxidize, but and if if you eat, it still has linoleic acid in it, maybe ten percent. So if you go right. to fat, four or five tablespoons, you're going to get a hefty dose of linoleic acid. So yeah, you, should you never do salt? No, just make sure it's really healthy and use a tablespoon a day, and you're probably going. I actually, I actually, I used to be a big fan of olive oil. I I I just stopped for the past couple of years. I stopped consuming it mainly because I get enough fats in in the meats. Like yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Now just be careful of the meats, no chicken, no pork, but all the rest, the rest are pretty good. I, stay away I, from I, pork do eat, I do eat chicken, but I don't like, I don't really like pork. Just the taste of it too much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what, what's the, the problem with chicken? The, the same thing with pork. They're feeding them grains. So the grains mm -hmm. are loaded with linoleic acid. So 
about 20%, chicken fat is about 20% linoleic acid. You, you, your meat is about 2%. It's 10 times okay. higher. Oh, interesting. And what if yeah. it's uh, the difference between grass-fed and not grass-fed meat? Almost no difference. Now, with respect to linoleic acid, with respect right. to health, there's definitely some because the, the, the organic grass-fed is likely going to have very reduced, if almost no levels of glyphosate and other uh, pesticides and ingredients. So you want to stay away from <clears throat> that for other reasons. But with respect to linoleic acid, it's not a big issue. Why are, so, you know, this is like maybe uh, some naivete, but when I look up vegetable oils and, you know, health effects, cardiovascular disease, there have been studies that show, most of the studies are actually looking to see if PUFAs, polyunsaturated fats, are decreasing, omega-6 are decreasing the risk of cardiovascular disease. And the studies that I've found seem to say they don't decrease the risk, they don't really increase the risk. Uh, there's just no difference. Why? Why do you think that is? Or, or uh, you know, is, is am I? Because most of them are uh, no. They're just yeah. It, they're doing the studies inc incorrectly, and they're just not analyzing properly. Uh, and the like the controls. The controls are using would be like a, another diet that's really high in PUFA, so they can't find the difference. When you look in the mm -hmm. details of, of the of the with the diet they're feeding the controls, it's all screwed up. So it's like the same thing they do for vaccines, right? <laughs> you know, that when they do a safety study for a vaccine, what is the, what is the placebo? The placebo is another vaccine. Uh-huh. <laughs> you think they're, they're you replacing think stealing, omega-6 no. with some other crap? Or... No, no. The control diet they're using, usually it's in, they typically, with the randomized control trials, they typically do lab animals. I mean, human studies are much harder to do and very expensive. But the ones that do lab animals, you'll see they're, they're giving them like, supposedly like they're giving them lard and lard is like 20, 30% PUFA, mm -hmm. 20, 30%. And they're assuming that's the control. So that's the reason. But the fundamental reasons why people drop, are dropping dead from heart disease is because of the linoleic acid. Why? Because it gets in to the cell membranes and it causes oxidative stress. It actually, it oxidizes the LDL. It's not LDL that causes heart disease. And you know very well that people can have cholesterol levels of three, four, 500 and be perfectly healthy, have no elevated coronary artery, coronary artery calcium scores. It's because sure. they don't have oxidized LDL. What causes oxidized LDL? Linoleic acid, not saturated fat. Not saturated. Do you, is, is, how, what level is uh, your LDL at? Is it uh, over? It's too, like it's too damn low. I've got a genetic disease uh, called thalassemia. And, one of, and it actually was able to address the cause. Um, but the, the artifact of, gen, of, of thalassemia is it causes you to have a low cholesterol. I mean, I've had cholesterol levels, total cholesterol under 100 when I was younger. Under 100. Oh, I'm not claiming that's healthy. I'm not deluded like most of the public or the physicians. I know it's very healthy. It should be about 200. Uh, but nevertheless, it's too high. But now when I was eating strict carnivore and I had a high protein diet, I was actually able to get my levels up for 200 the first time in my life. Um, I was very happy about that. But the problem is my kidneys don't tolerate it because I was abused by the the medical system, my dentist and 
30 years ago almost now took out my mercury fillings because I was eating a bad diet when I was, my mom didn't know any better. And I just had lots of cavities and he took it out incorrectly, just, just had lots of mercury release and my kidney function went to hell. So I have to be really careful with my protein intake. I can't really go above 110 grams of protein a day or my, my kidney. Oh, that's a little worse. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm limited. I know the solution for it is what you're doing. I just can't do it unless I get a kid. How do you protein. eat a carnivore diet with 110 grams of protein a day? You just well, eat. Not, I, I eat a lot of fat. I mean, I, I have like four to six ounces of ghee a day. Oh, wow. So the yeah, thing is, so is that for me, I have like 300, 300 grams of fat. My LDL goes through the roof when I eat a lot of saturated fat. And since I do eat a lot of saturated fat, because I'm on That's a not necessarily an issue diet. unless you're eating a lot of PUFA. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I know that argument. I, I guess it's like, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's just that, I don't know. I, I kind of want to take a risk reduction strategy. I, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, I feel like it's something that we, there's so many studies showing Forget the studies. You're the only one that counts. You know, if you're really concerned, do what you think is the right thing and then do the appropriate test to monitor yourself. Because I mean, heart disease, heart disease is not something that kills you overnight, right? It takes a long time. Right. So you can, you can get a coronary artery calcium score. I know it's a CT scan. I did but, actually. I did. Yeah, and but, it was very but, low. The, okay. The well then, low. then go with the saturated fat, you know, raise your LDL through the roof and then take it again and see what happens. You cause you, it will regress if, it, if you were wrong. Right. There's right. not like you don't have a solution. You don't have to go on drugs. You just reverse because you can reverse heart disease. Atherosclerosis at least. So that's, that's easy to do. What are the top five things that you, that you think people are doing that are really harming them? Vegetable oils are number one, whatever. Oil. Not enough, not enough sun exposure. hundred percent. What else? Yeah. Give me three more. Uh, they are eating too many hours of the day. Time-restricted eating is a, one of the most powerful free interventions you could ever have. So only eat the six to eight hours a day and at least three to four or five hours before you go to sleep. Okay. Four? Four. Hmm. Let me see. Probably. Would EMFs be in the top five? Yeah, I would probably, you know, I, I'd have to look at my whole list just to, to, to balance them out a little bit. I think it depends on, yeah, probably exercise. It's, it's what it, exercise is probably the single most important drug. We know it is the most powerful without any question at all intervention you can use to prevent uh, Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's is a good representative of, you know, chronic degenerative disease. So I, I think you're beyond foolish not to commit to a lifelong program of exercise. Now, the only exception, of course, were those who, people who don't need it. And there are some people who don't need exercise. Who are those people? The people who work like hell for a living, like farmers <laughs> or, you know, loggers or something where you you have a, a, a job, which like our ancestors did, where you're working, you're doing real work for a living, you know, and you're moving your body like it was supposed to. Most all of us don't do that. So if you're like, like me, you and me, you've got to commit to an exercise program. You don't have to, but if you want to optimize and maximize your health, you there's just no way out of it. So sure. I will be, I, I've been exercising since 1968. That's a long time. That's 54 years. And I plan on exercising until the day I die. I really do. Um, there's no reason I would ever remove that. So 
EMFs is a toxic exposure. So, I mean, I guess it's smoking or EMFs are the, the cigarettes of the 21st century, right? So, you know, if we had this discussion last century, we'd say can't smoke, right? Well, you, you, you got to limit your exposure to EMFs. I mean, I think that's really crucial. With respect to a, a, another powerful intervention that I would include up there, really, really powerful. It's advanced, admittedly, and it requires a little knowledge we don't have to discuss today, but I love a near, not far, a near infrared sauna as mm -hmm. a really important tool, especially for preventing Alzheimer's and just just optimizing, lowering all-cause mortality quite dramatically. And the Finnish studies are quite profound. So that's another simple tool. I, I mean, it's definitely one of the top ones. But it's five or I'm six. A big, yeah, I'm a big fan of sun, exercise, sauna, and, and some yeah. of the other things you mentioned. What about dairy? Do you consume dairy? Or is that on the I, no list? I, I have a little bit. I just started some goat, organic goat milk, okay. uh, kefir, kefir. Uh, just a, an ounce a day. So, uh, but I have, I mean, and I have, I mean, you can consider uh, ghee or butter a dairy. It's just not much. I mean, ghee has, of course, most of the protein removed. So there's not much milk protein, but it's certainly animal fat uh, or dairy fat. So I'm a And what about fan. supplements? Like what are the top supplements that you, you, you get enough vitamin D from the sun. So you don't need that. Well, I haven't taken vitamin but D for 15 years. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, so tell me about the, the but my but my vitamin D level is only ninety. So I was thinking about supplementing. <laughs> 90, 90, Just to give the uh, listeners context is like, you know, the danger level of uh, what the Institute of Medicine says, right? It's ninety yeah. na nanograms per milliliter. Like they put it as like ninety nanograms per milliliter, as, right? Yeah. So a hundred would be. Right? According to the no, IRS. I don't know if they do that. It isn't toxic okay. it, because your body's producing it. You've got these negative feedback. Yeah, no, it's natural. It. So, yeah. I mean, and, and if I went out and walked instead of solar noon and did it like an hour or two earlier or later, it would probably only be about sixty or seventy. Do you find so, that you get uh, a lot of like more wrinkles from the sun, or not really? I haven't you put noticed on, it. Like, lotion. You put no, on I lotion don't. or nope. Oh wow, uh, that's incredible. I, I haven't noticed it, but yeah, I'm almost seventy years old, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I think for 70, you have, I mean, you, you don't look 70, number one, but you, you have, you don't have wrinkles of a 70 year old, especially someone who never wore sunscreen. So I'd say, yeah. you know, N equals one would say that, you know, it's, you, you don't have to worry that much about wrinkles if you're eating or living a healthy diet and lifestyle. Yeah. You're, yeah. And I take something called astaxanthin, which is also another powerful, I mean, it's a, it's, I like it. I take 12 milligrams. 12 milligrams. Okay. I, yeah. I've been experimenting with 12 milligrams to see yeah. like when I get a lot of sun in the day instead of. Yeah, it should. It definitely provides a level of UV protection. No question about it. No question. It's very, very clear. It's a really potent antioxidant. But one of my favorite supplements reminds me because it's an antioxidant is molecular hydrogen. Uh, uh, most people would take it as a tablet. Um, I have it. I consider it, even though it's not a tablet, I've taken it as a gas. I have a machine, a device that makes molecular hydrogen gas. So I consider that a supplement. Uh, and I do it for about, I have a 7% concentration and I just inhale by nasocalneal about 30 minutes a day, uh, wow. usually in the morning. So, and why? Because it's a selective antioxidant. And what does that the hell mean? It means that unlike most anti antioxidants which are indiscriminate and, and uh, don't, distinguish between healthy and beneficial 
free radicals and deleterious ones, this one essentially it locks and loads your system to get ready to produce antioxidants if you need them. If there's no excessive oxidative stress, it's not produced. It just hangs around, mm -hmm. just wait. It's like it's like loading the chamber, you know. You're you because if you don't have anything, in, if you don't have a bullet in the chamber, if, if, I'm sure you're probably right, but but you've got to load the chamber. If there's no bullet in there, you press the trigger, nothing's going to happen. Well, that's what molecular hydrogen does. It loads the chamber so that if you have a sense, your sensor says, "Oh, I got exercise," and then boom, you fire it, and then you know your body makes dozens, hundreds of different antioxidants: glutathione, reductase, uh, glutathione uh, synthase, and uh, catalase. Uh, superoxide dismutase so I, I used to have a machine as well i, I used to yeah. drink a lot of uh but i, well, no, I stopped this, this is this is an this is this is a gas it's making not making uh, molecular hydrogen water is making gas it's a big mm -hmm. difference a big difference interesting let's go back to your original question the five things that people have wrong right so way above <laughs> sauna would be too much iron too much iron i totally forgot you know i just i not look at my list i forget so, yeah, so one of my strategies is every, you'll love this. I, it, almost everyone watching this needs to donate blood at least three to four times a year. What's your ferritin level? My ferritin level is about 25. 25, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty low though, no? Well, I'd like to get it to like five if I can. I'm on, I'm on you want to get it to five? That's, yeah. Isn't that uh, going to be iron deficiency? You're not worried? Nope, nope, nope. nope. Wow. The ideal, the ideal ferritin level should be about zero. And so you're saying that you are measuring your serum iron. TIBC, yeah, serum iron, TIBC, serum percent transform saturation, the whole whole ball of wax. And yeah. all those, all those, those are good. Come out and normal? hemoglobin, and hemoglobin. I mean, obviously, hemoglobin, if, right. if you have a if a ferritin of five and your hemoglobin is like eight, something's wrong. You know, something's correct, not correct. right. What's your hemoglobin? Let's say. Well, my hemoglobin is 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 uh, aberrant because of my thalassemia, so it, it uh, never goes above twelve. It's always in the elevens. So, but it's, yeah, I I just just that look it up thalassemia. You do not have a hemoglobin over twelve. It just doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, so it, it kind of annoys me a bit because CBC is a very powerful predictor, as you know from your lab company and. Uh, I can't use any of my indices for health predictions because they're because of the genetics. It just doesn't work. Mm. Now, if we had, if, if the people were using populations of thalassemics for the, and then taking the data from that, but they're not <laughs> they're using normal populations. So. I see. All right. Well, it was awesome. good catching up. Good catching up and uh, glad to have the time. Always great to uh, pick your brain and I appreciate yeah. it. Your, your, your wealth of knowledge and uh, your, yeah, it was, it was fun. All right. Thanks, Joe. Good All catching right. up. Bye now. Thank you. Take care.